Hey there, my name is JD Mangrum. If you're jumping in late or if today's your first Sunday, I have the privilege of being the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. If I'm not your normal pastor, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Hidden Figures. And we're looking at lesser known characters in God's redemptive story, particularly in the Jewish scriptures, the, uh, the Old Testament. And each week, uh, there's a different pastor or elder at a church uh, between Christ Church Charlestown. Charles River Church and Grace City Church. Uh, there are five of us who are going to be sharing messages uh, talking about these different characters and God's story. So I'm JD. Also speaking are Josh Wyatt, uh, Jewel Robinson, David Butler, and then Brian Owen, pastor of Grace City Church. And so it's a real honor to be with you today. It's an honor to be part of this series. Uh, today we're going to have a really simple sort of message, simple takeaway. Uh, and if you've got a Bible, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 17, so the second book of the Old Testament, if you're following along in a paper Bible for those who still do that. Uh, before we jump in today, I want to talk about that uh, this idea of being famous for being famous. I read an article the other day about uh, how today so many people want to be famous for being famous. Now, when I was a kid, the people who wanted to be famous for being famous were usually the people who were squeezing all they like squeezing an hour out of their 15 minutes of fame. Uh, they would be someone who just did something this was before YouTube, for those who can still remember that. They were coattail writers. A lot of times they were people who were like the sibling or the spouse of someone who was already famous. I think about Zsa Zsa Gabor or Kevin Federline, for those who remember him, or LaToya Jackson, uh, people like that. People who didn't really ever do anything of real consequence, they just were related to someone who did something of consequence. And so today, because of reality television, and because of um, social media, and because of tabloid journalism, like in, in, in print, that was the only way to get it back when I was a kid, was the National Enquirer there at the grocery store line. But now we've got uh, television shows, and TMZ, and, and and even uh, you know digital sort of uh, out in the world wide web. All, there's all these different ways now for people to be famous for being famous without actually ever having to do anything. I think about the Kardashians and Paris Hilton, social media influencers, reality stars, and and most especially I think about YouTubers. Uh, so often these people are famous for being famous rather than for having actually done. Anything. Now, I'm going to sound like an old man here, so I go ahead and confess. This is my okay boomer moment for those who are listening. But uh, I think about like a couple of generations ago, you know, people wanted to be uh, astronauts or they wanted to be inventors or doctors, and some even wanted to be the President of the United States of America. And then a, a generation ago, people wanted, began to want to be professional athletes like Michael Jordan. Remember when we all wanted to be like Mike and we just thought if we had some of those Nikes, then we would truly be able to dunk a basketball like he could. But even these ambitions are really becoming kind of a thing of the past. I talked to my friend Mark Silva. He's the vice principal of the Harvard-Kent Elementary School where our church, Christ Church Charlestown, meets. And he told me, he said, J.D., overwhelmingly nowadays. Most kids who come through this school, when they grow up, if you ask them what they want to be, they will undoubtedly say they want to be YouTubers, rich for videoing themselves for everyone to watch, truly famous for being famous. In fact, research shows that one-third of kids uh, between the ages of 8 and 12 now aspire to be either a vlogger or a YouTuber, according to a recent study conducted by the Harris Polls along with the Danish toy company Lego. UK travel company First Choice conducted a similar survey in 2017 and actually showed a higher number. They found that 52.3% of 1,000 surveyed kids from ages 6 
to 17 years old wanted to become either a vlogger, a blogger, or a YouTuber. At 42, I'm a generation and a half removed from a generation whose primary ambition is to be famous for being famous. Now, fame or celebrity occurs when someone is known for something. They're known by a lot of people. Impact or influence, by contrast, is the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone or something else. See, influence doesn't require fame or celebrity. The two are not synonyms. You can be famous and not influential. And conversely, you can be influential and not famous. I would argue that the way of the gospel is actually the latter of those two. To be influential for the kingdom of Jesus and to be indifferent altogether toward fame. In fact, the big idea of the sermon today, so if you've been watching to this point and you want the cheat sheet, here's the big idea, the one thing you can, you know, pretend like you listen the whole time you get this, you can check out if that's how you want to do it. If you want to take one mental note, it's this, it's what Dahadi Lewis, who's the vice president of our sort of church's network, the North American Mission Board, he recently coined this phrase or used this phrase. He said, we need maximum impact, minimum celebrity. Contrary to culture, God would have us seek maximum impact and minimum celebrity. So if you turn to Exodus 17, I want us to talk about the story of Aaron and Hur. Now, most wouldn't tell you this is the story of Aaron and Hur. They would actually tell you it's one of three other things. They might say it's the, the Israelites' battle against the Amalekites, or they might say it's Joshua's first military victory. And some might even say it's the time when Israel won because Moses was able to keep his hands lifted above his head and hold the staff of the Lord there. But I would tell you in this story that Aaron and her achieved maximum impact and minimum celebrity. Now, let me give you the background. The people of Israel have just left Egypt and they've left slavery and they're on their way out. Do you remember the story? Moses is leading them from slavery. They get to the Red Sea. Uh, Moses raises the staff of the Lord. The sea parts. Uh, Pharaoh's army pursues them into the bed of the uh, Red Sea. The nation of Israel crosses, and then the, the waters collapse. The army is drowned. Right after that, God uh, feeds, begins to feed his people with manna from the sky. And then Moses uh, calls water from a rock. And all of these things are happening. And now the nation of Israel is facing their first real military threat. Let me read to you from Exodus 17, beginning in verse 8, if we can. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, on one on one side, the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. But I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. Let me pray for us and we're going to dive right in. God, will you speak to us today? We're listening. We want to live and lead lives of maximum impact and minimum celebrity. Will you give us clues? Will you give us hints? Will you give us... Uh, imperatives from your word to tell us how to live, and then Holy Spirit, will you help us to do so? In Jesus' name, amen. 
So God's people get attacked, and Moses calls Joshua. This is actually the first time that Joshua, the son of Nun, is mentioned in the scripture. He says, Joshua, I want you to gather an army. Now we can assume that Joshua is a young man, and brave, shows great promise, great faith, strong leadership skills. Moses, the iconic leader of Israel, is now well into his 80s, this liberator of God's people, but he's not weak. Scripture tells us that all the way till his death at around age 120, he's strong and full of faith in the Lord. Joshua fights, Moses oversees and presumably prays. He sacrifices his comfort to see Israel gain victory. Uh, Every time his hands are above his head with the staff of the Lord, Israel is winning every time he drops his arms because we've all woken up in the middle of the night with our arms falling asleep. Every time he drops his arms, they begin to lose momentum. Aaron, who's Moses' brother, holds one arm up. They set a rock under Moses, and he begins to hold up one arm. And Hur, who the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus says is his brother-in-law, holds up the other arm, and they devise a plan that's going to help Israel win the day by holding Moses' arms up above his head. By the end of the day, the Amalekites have been defeated. Now, honestly, there are a dozen messages we could preach from this passage of Scripture. I love this passage of Scripture. I love this story. But I want us to focus today on Aaron and her, because while some of us may get to be Joshua, even fewer of us will get to be Moses, but every one of us can be an Aaron or a her in someone's life. Not everyone in a country, not everyone in a school or a business or a church is assigned to be Moses or Joshua. Not everyone's called to be the president of a nation, the administrator of a college, the CEO of a business, the coach of the team, but everyone can be an Aaron or a her to someone. See, like Aaron and her, we're all going to have moments where we do the hard work of holding someone up. We're all going to have moments where the victory in someone else's life is going to depend on us, and we're all, and we're never There's going to be moments where we're we're not going to receive even a tenth of the credit or our role is not at all going to be understood. That's essentially what happens with Aaron and her here in this passage. And at that moment, we have to make a choice. Is my impact or is my influence along with God's glory more important or is my fame and my glory more important? Maximum impact, minimum celebrity. The way to help ensure you will opt out, that you will opt for maximum impact, minimum celebrity, is to remember two things, hope and humility. Aaron and her were more concerned with God's glory, Israel's victory, and the nation of Israel continuing the march toward the promised land than they are with being heroes on that day. Likewise, you and I, we've got to back up and kind of say, okay, what's at stake here? What's the best thing that God could possibly do if I am fully surrendered and obedient while being totally forgetful of the outcomes giving me the glory and more comfort? That allows for hope and humility. You know, Pastor John Piper has written that hope for the Christian, or what we'll call Christian hope, is, quote, when God has promised that something's going to happen, And you put your trust in that promise. Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it will come to pass. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul wrote this. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul wrote, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. We have to square our hope on Christ and cling to the conviction 
that God will do what he promises in and through us for his glory. Additionally, we have to choose humility. It's always a choice to choose humility. That's caring for others and God more than we care for ourselves, becoming like Jesus, the servant king. In his letter to the church at Philippi, in chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul wrote this, uh, and he's admonishing the church. He's not suggesting these are imperative verbs. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We have to constantly center ourselves as the people of God on hope and humility in Christ to have maximum impact and minimum celebrity. It's just too countercultural otherwise. Our, count, our culture pulls us into the idea of trying to be famous, if not famous for being famous. And in our church, I've seen this humility over and over, and two people in particular, Scott Costello and Kayla Stevens, so often they, when we were meeting face-to-face, they would work all night, literally all night at their separate jobs, and then they would get off work and be at the church sometime between 8 and 9 a.m. to set up sound in Scott's case, Christ's kids and Kayla's case, so that we could worship Jesus and our kids could hear about the gospel and in a really sweet and beautiful way. These guys have put Christ ahead of everything, including their comfort, choosing maximum impact and minimum celebrity. So remember, your, someone else's freedom may depend on your willingness to do whatever it takes. Someone else's freedom may depend on your willingness to do what it takes. And the odds are really good that your freedom will depend on that as well. Now, some of you may say, JD, listen, you don't understand. I'm working nonstop and I can't get ahead. Some of you, like my mom growing up, would say, I am a single mom. Some of you might even say, I'm just tired of scraping and clawing all the time. I get it. I hear you. And I want you to know as your pastor, I see you. And I know that Pastor Josh and Pastor Brian, the elders in your churches, see you as well. And we're cheering you on and we're praying for you. I pray God's going to send an Aaron and a her into your life to hold your arms up. Second, I pray you know that you can reach out. This is what the church is, is for. We're here to hold one another's arms up as we pursue Jesus. We need people to say to us, I will pray for you when you can't pray. I will ask the tough questions in love to keep you from sin and self-destruction, but I'll also fight for your faith and for your integrity. We even need sometimes someone to say, look, I will come and serve you. I'll wash your clothes. I'll wash your dishes. I will watch your kids so you can take a nap. Listen, when, when Natalie and I saw Noah and Owen come to the world, we remember how tiring that can be. And so there's been multiple times that my wife, Natalie, has gone to the homes of young moms and just washed dishes and clothes so that moms could take a nap. If we can hold another's arms up, I want to challenge us that we should hold another's arms up. Further, don't make someone ask. We need to not make one another ask. As a church, we need to know one another well enough, know what's going on in one another's lives well enough, and be involved enough that when we see someone getting tired, we can reach out and say, let me come alongside you and help. Asking's hard. It's humbling to ask. Maximum impact, minimum celebrity demands that we be watchful and we extend ourselves when we see a brother or sister in need, but so bogged down that they can't quite ask for help on their own. Finally, when you hold up your Moses' arms, I just want to encourage you, you're not lifting up Moses the hero. Listen, if Moses were the hero, he wouldn't have needed help lifting his arms, but you are lifting up God the hero. 
Recall the staff of the Lord. I don't know if you remember the story earlier in Exodus. There's the story of the burning bush. It says Moses approached the bush with the staff of Moses, but God calls him to cast it down. It becomes a snake. And after his encounter with God at the burning bush, from then on the Bible calls it the staff of the Lord. When Moses parts the Red Sea, it's the staff of the Lord. When he confronts the Egyptian Pharaoh and magicians, the Bible calls it the staff of the Lord. And even here, it's called the staff of the Lord as Moses holds it over his head. When God called Moses, he changed Moses' identity. He also changed the identity of that staff. So the staff became no longer an extension of Moses, but it became a symbol of the power and the presence of the Lord. The staff held up by Aaron and her is the power of God. Aaron and her aren't magnifying or glorifying Moses. They're magnifying and glorifying God. Maximum impact, glorifying God. Minimum celebrity. See, here's the gospel. Who's the hero of the story? It's the Lord. The staff of the Lord, when lifted high, brought victory. The staff became the embodiment of the power of God in the life of Moses and for the nation of Israel. Likewise, if we lift Jesus highest, if Jesus is to be lifted high, and in John 12, 32, he said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. In our lives, when Jesus is lifted high, he gets victory. If you're in a battle like Moses, I want to encourage you to lift your hands to God. If you have a friend in battle, I want to encourage you, lift your hands and help them lift their hands to God as well. And when you lift your hands or you help another do so, you are saying, I can't, but God can. And he, he is able to bring victory, and I know that he will do so. And Jesus is our victory. See, after Israel won against the Amalekites, Moses built an altar, the scripture tells us. It says he called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. May the banner over you and the banner over me and the banner over our churches be Jesus. May he be the boast of our victory. And may we, in our church and in our day-to-day -day lives, as we encounter one another, be delighted to say maximum impact, minimum celebrity. As long as Jesus is lifted high, no one even has to know me. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. God, these aren't, uh, these aren't stories about little people, and these aren't fables and stuff like that. These are real people who live real lives, experience real battles. They were real tired, needed real help from a real God, and even needed real allies and real friends to secure a very real victory. We ask and pray and plead that you would strengthen our hands. Give us an errand and a herd to gather around us. Give us the humility to ask for their help. Most of all, God, I pray we would turn our eyes toward Christ and toward the banner of the cross. For the one who's never trusted you, God, today, like Moses lifting his hands, I pray that in their hearts they would just reach out to you, God, and say, will you save me? Will you be my victory? Will you be my banner? I'm turning for myself, and I'm crying out to you. I can't win the victory, God, but I believe you can. And Lord, may the cry of our, all of our hearts be maximum impact, minimum celebrity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.